This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 28, The Luke Hart Curse, recorded on April 14th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, with your hosts, me, Matt Lyons, Jason Lukart. Hey, Matt. And a special guest host, another writer from Let's Go Tribe, Matt Schlichting. Hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. <laughs> so, how are you guys? Um, you see, this is where I'm not going to want to step on anyone's toes. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm the, the Indians have, have been able to play without quite as much weather interference this week, uh, and they have a winning record right now. So, uh, I'm doing well. Yeah, are you saying this isn't the worst team ever in the history of ever? I thought it was yesterday after that game. Uh, I thought when they lost two games before they won two games that that meant that we should just fold up shop and find something else to do. And I'm confused because now they have a winning record and I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> I Actually, after uh, earlier in the week, I was pretty sure Portland was going to build a stadium and just lure them away. That's how it <laughs> felt. I already burned all my Indians gear, so I mean, I don't mm. know. kind of regret that after the win. <laughs> <laughs> so, looking back at the past week, uh, the Indians were 2-3 and three out of all the games, which weren't that many. They played a total of five games in seven days, which sucked. Because all the rain delays, but they finally played inside a dome the past series against the Rays, which is Tropicana Field, which is not that much of an upgrade over playing in drenching weather. I don't know if it's worse playing in rain or Tropicana, but that's where they played. They won that series. I believe that would be their first series win of the year. Uh, yes, yeah. and their first com- yeah. their first completed series of the year. They could still end up winning <laughs> both of their first two series when they get concluded later on. They haven't lost the series yet. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> uh, they total they had twenty one runs scored, fourteen against, which is kind of what we expect. I think a lot of pitching and hitting that's just barely good enough. So, what are your guys' thoughts? Just general ideas. What happened, and what do you think of the past week of games? Do you want to go first, Matt? Sure. For the most part. I was really happy with the pitching. I think Salazar again today, he only went six, but I mean, still six innings is a quality start and struck out six. I think it was like three walks and a hit or three hits and three walks, but he played great. Carrasco did an incredible job. And for a moment, I think he had a shot at a Maddox as well. uh, The night after that Kluber looked like he was going to do one until that very sad eighth inning. But except for that, I think Kluber pitched great as well. So great signs from the starters so far. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Really- you know, Kluber and uh, Carrasco both in the first starts didn't look especially sharp. Uh, and last week, Matt and I talked about that not being a big deal. Uh, you know, Kluber's overall line the other night uh, isn't fantastic. Again, as you said, because of that last inning, um, he looked excellent for seven innings. Uh, and then Carrasco looked great. Uh, and like you said, Salazar looked really good today too. Uh, you know, and, and like you said, six innings is a quality start. If you if you offer me his stat line for every one of his starts, I'll take it. Um, I do think Salazar still, uh, you know, he's pretty inefficient with his pitches. I don't think we're going to see Salazar pitching in the eighth or ninth inning um, hardly at all this year, unless he makes some adjustments. Uh, but yeah, if he wants to go out and just throw six shutout innings every game, I'm not going to complain about that. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I will take that. It's better than a couple years ago where it was five innings and then a collapse for an inning. So I will take the shutout. The, so my biggest takeaway is something that feels like ancient history already, which was last, what was it, April 8th, when Trevor Bauer came in for two innings against the White Sox. I don't think we got a chance to talk about that last week, but he looked like amazing when he was in there. 
uh, compared to that first start when he just immediately gave up a home run, he was sharp. He had two strikeouts in those two innings, and then we haven't seen him since at all. So I don't know. I'd like to see him get more work, especially after that game. But uh, it was great that he did something good in the bullpen. Yeah, I agree. And I, I if they're committed to him in the bullpen, I'm still. It's still sort of unclear whether they just needed to put him somewhere and really do think he's going to start again, or if they're really committed to the idea of him being in the bullpen. Uh, but yeah, if they're committed to that idea, I'd like to see him more than once every fourth game. Uh, and I'm, you know, we, we did talk about wanting to see him pitch again just to get that first bad outing sort of taste out of his mouth. So I'm glad to see him pitch well. And, and yeah, hopefully we, we see him get some other big opportunities and he continues to look good. Yeah, and today he ended up closing out the ninth which oh, I did. I didn't see the end of the game. Three strikeouts in one inning of work, but that was with two hits and 25 pitches. But still, 17 of them were for strikes, and he didn't end up giving up any runs. So again, if he always goes in and strikes out three and gives up two hits with no runs, then great. Yeah, I didn't see that, that he closed out. I thought it was Cody Allen, or was that yesterday? Well, Allen came in and saved the game, like in an actual closer game. But yeah, with, with the game well in hand, uh, yeah, Bauer did come done. in. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's the third appearance. And so I guess it's it's a little silly to com- complain he's not pitching often enough when uh, <laughs> he pitched the most recent inning the Indians have had. Yeah, and it doesn't help his case to get back to a starter, considering Cody Anderson was so good in his first start. Six innings, two and run, two walks, two strikeouts. I mean, he's not going to strike out many people. Um, I know, uh, Jason, you and I were both looking forward to Anderson's start to see his velocity what did you think of it? I noticed he was getting, he was in that 95, 96 range, and I saw him touch 97 a couple of times, but it didn't always work. He was still getting hit around a little bit. So what do you think? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, you said he's not going to strike out a lot of guys. I don't think he's going to match, you know, the the Kluber, Carrasco, Salazar level. Uh, but if his velocity is going to, if he's going to sustain that kind of increase over last year, there, it makes sense to think he will strike out more guys than he did last year, which was really the big uh, you know, weakness in his game. You could look at his ERA and he looks fantastic. And then you look at his strikeout rate and thought there was no way he could keep things up. Um, so yeah, I, I really think his velocity is the big thing to watch and you can obviously get crushed with good velocity. Uh, but his other stuff has been pretty good. So, uh, I think that's, I mean, obviously I want the Indians to win his starts, but more than like the hits and stuff he's giving up in these next few games, just seeing what the velocity continues to look like is, at least for me, what's most compelling about him. And um, I think it's finally hashtag best type of his life made a difference. He just came in and he looked a lot thinner. He must've worked some kind of muscle because I mean, last year he was in the low nineties, I think, but I'm glad to see him up there and sticking in the fourth position. I hope even when Tomlin is Tomlin still hasn't pitched at all, by the way, (laughs) he hasn't been using the bullpen start or nothing. It's just been Salazar, Kluber, Carrasco and Anderson. So hopefully he'll get the pitch at some point. I'm sure he said in an interview that he's just going to be ready. That's what he wants to do. But I would think at some point he wants to get in there and not just sit and watch this whole time. I think he's lined up for Saturday's game now. Uh, yeah. So I think the forecast is that nothing's going to get washed away this weekend. So maybe we'll finally get to see him. And he'll get to bat, too. So it'll be worth the wait for him. Oh, no. What am I talking about? They're playing the Mets, but they're at home. He won't get to bat. Right. Unfortunately. You know what I can't wait, speaking of pitchers batting, is I want to see – depending on how long Marlon Bird's still on the team. I want to see Trevor Bauer do his batting stance. Because did you see what he does? He does that little like wiggle with his wrists. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> I hope he does that again. Yeah, Tomlin should be starting on Saturday with no rain. It looks like it's going to be sunny and 60 degrees finally, so 
I can stop pretending to be a meteorologist in all my posts. <laughs> no, <I laughs> so felt, do you have anything else, Matt? Uh, just with Anderson, I definitely, I'm looking forward to seeing if he can keep the velocity up as well. One thing moving forward, and I don't know if this is a real baseball term or not, but my dad said it years ago about Charles Nagy is that he was a rock and roll pitcher where he's either going to get a ground ball out or it was going to land somewhere very, very far away. And so it'll be interesting to see if he can figure out how to pitch to contact kind of with his stuff. And maybe he'll end up getting a good strikeout pitch down the line. And hopefully it's just more rolls, easy ground outs than long balls. Yeah, I think that approach will describe quite a few Indian starters. <laughs> Tomlin, he's either going to give up a home run, or I guess strikeout. He won't use to give up ground balls, but like Trevor Bauer, even Danny Salazar at one point was all either home run or ground ball. It's all mm-hmm. rock and roll pictures. I like that. Yeah, and I've never heard it before, and I quickly Googled it, and it doesn't seem like anyone has heard it before. So I think your dad created that, and I think you owe it to him <laughs> as his son to now start using it and trying to turn it into a thing. Uh, I guess I, I'm going to... I will turn it into a thing. And we will hunt down anyone who uses it and sue them. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, getting that thing after the games. So, here's a topic that we had before today's game, which doesn't make a ton of sense now, but I think we can still talk about it, is that all the new guys except Mike Napoli have been terrible. Uh, Juan Uribe before today, still today, because he didn't play, didn't have a hit. Mike Dav- or Mike Davis? Rajai Davis had, I think he's like two for 18. Uh, Marlon Bird just had a couple hits but then all of a sudden after jason wrote his article about how bad they were they obviously read it and then in today's game davis and bird both had a home run and davis had three hits and you were so, all welcome for the <laughs> kick in the butt that i did the team and they clearly in the locker room before the game they were reading your post and saying all right you know what we like jason we got to go out and show him what we can do oh, see, i see it as like we hate jason so we're gonna prove him wrong and make him look like an idiot <laughs> I like to imagine they have like a text-to-speech generator in their clubhouse where it's just constantly reading all our posts. I'm almost well, positive and, that's how... Well, I don't believe for a second that any of them regularly read our stuff. We know that there are times when Indians players have read our work, uh, which I don't think is at all the case today. But Cody Allen and Jason Kipnis have both commented on stuff that's been written at Let's Go Tribe. Um, so I would love it if they turned things on to spite me because that would mean I had some actual power and could do something about it. Um, we'll see. I'll have to, I'll have to keep writing about who's doing poorly. So next, can you just write about how the Indians haven't won a world series this season yet? I've tried that. (laughs) My powers don't seem to extend quite that far. We need to understand the Jason curse and use, or the Luke Hart curse and work it for good. Carlin Bird with a home run today. Uh, Davis with a home run today. Three hits. Uh, Colin Cowgill didn't get a hit. He's still over on the season, but he did draw a walk. The, first the man reached base. He got there. <laughs> that is a first. <laughs> so, and possibly the last, because I don't think he's going to be on the roster for more than another three games. Yeah. Is there anybody more disappointing than Cowgill so far? Even with his low expectations, I expected him to be something as a right-handed hitter or left-handed hitter i don't even think i'm disappointed in cowgirl that's how low my expectations were i'm disappointed that he's been given this many opportunities to play but i don't know i feel like it's not his fault he's not good enough. i mean i guess it is his fault on some level but i don't hold it against him i'd be oh for on the season if i were in there too 
you do have just as many hits as Colin Cow got right now. So there's that going for you. Mm-hmm. And fewer strikeouts. <laughs> yes. And then for what it's worth, I think Napoli didn't get a hit either today. So he read your article and did the opposite too. It must be they hate you. They just want to spite you. One for fives. So the other thing sort of related to this I kind of wanted to talk about, it was mentioned in the comments, is about how, I forget who it was, somebody alluded to the fact that it doesn't really matter how they performed in the first few games. But I like these kind of things because I like talking about baseball. And I like, even if the stats in the first week don't matter as far as what a player is going to do, I think it's important just to talk about them and say this is what happened and give some context to it. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about it. Do you think it's just not even worth discussing these small of samples? Or do you like just having something to talk about and it's important to at least look at what's happened even if it doesn't mean anything in the long run? I think it can be an issue because you look at what Uribe's done so far and we were talking earlier that Jose Ramirez today at third base did more offensively in one game than Uribe has done his entire time with the Indians so far. But it, it seems like he's not he's not letting it get to him. He's still defending well. He's still taking a good approach at the plate. It just hasn't gotten there yet. And you think back to when Chisenhall was having struggles earlier in the season in some years and or having a really bad stretch some game. You could kind of see it on his face where he was it was getting to him and he he was letting letting it affect the rest of his game. I think in this particular case, for the most part, it's fine. But if it drags on, it'll be interesting to see, one, if Uribe continues to start most days at third base, and then two, if um, if he starts to let it frustrate him and he kind of gets into that rut. Yeah, and then if he gets into a rut, it might affect people around him a little bit even. Mm-hmm. Yep. What about you, Jason? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, there's a difference between this isn't necessarily predictive and this doesn't matter. It matters because it happened and the first six games count as much as the last six games or any other six games. Uh, you know, and the Indians managed to get through those six games going three and three, uh, you know, despite so many of the guys playing, uh, hitting not at all. Or uh, So, yeah, I don't think that necessarily means it's predictive, but I also think, you know, in what Matt just said in terms of looking at how they look while they're doing it, uh, and also just looking at, you know, where they are in their career. I mean, Colin Cowgill, to me, has looked completely overmatched. I said something on Twitter, but I mean, he, he was so late on a strike three swing the other night. Uh, to me, not having watched him play when he wasn't with the Indians... You know, I don't have a lot of background, you know, previous knowledge of him, but he doesn't look to me like he is good enough, you know, to, to be a major league starter. Uh, and so the fact that he's, you know, oh, for however many, well, you know, Michael Brantley goes oh for his first 10. I'm not going to worry about Michael Brantley, but watching Colin Cowgill, I don't feel like I need a huge sample to feel like he just looks like he's an especially, you know, good player, you know, relative to Major League Baseball players. Uh, you know, Juan Uribe, I'm not worried about yet. Um, but, you know, he's also 37 years old. And so it's it shouldn't surprise us if his numbers end up declining a lot this year from last year. They've already sort of begun to decline, uh, you know, last year from the year before that. So, you know, I, I, I'm willing to watch him play for a while before it would really concern me. Uh, but, you know, someone 37 years old, you know, not having great results early on, uh, you know, I, I think it's worth pointing out. And I, you know, just with my work schedule, haven't seen like every inning of every game. So I can't speak to how he's looked 
in all of his at bats. You know, Matt said he feels like he's, he's looked pretty good and had a good approach, uh, and you know, and that might very well be. Uh, but yeah, I don't think we need to wait until like Memorial Day before we talk about anything because the samples are too small. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I like the first line in your first paragraph, which is something like, "If you don't care about sample sizes these small, don't bother clicking until they reach your arbitrary line of where it matters." And I think it came across to, you know, at least one reader as, you know, sort of being abrasive or obnoxious, which really wasn't my intent. It's just it's impossible to write about anyone's numbers early in the season without having someone point out that it's only been so many games. It's like, yeah, I know it's only been so many games. I'm not saying this means, you know, that he's never going to get a hit all season or anything like that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's the season is happening now. I think it's worth talking about just about any of it. Yeah, it's like with Trevor's story. That's a great story to write about. Uh, of course, we know he's not going to end up hitting 239 home runs or whatever he was on track for, but it's cool to see a guy start his career like that. And it's interesting to see a vet like Uribe struggle a little bit out the gate. Yeah, agreed. Yep, exactly. You can acknowledge just how good story has been without thinking he's going to be on pace for 87 home runs, I think. <laughs> so between uh, those four, we'll go Uribe, Davis, Bird, and... Cowgill, which I mean, I guess you won't count. Which one of those do you think has the best chance? It doesn't have to be just one. It could be more than one. Who do you think, um, do you have the most faith in to sort of not be this terrible for the rest of the season? Is there any of them, Matt? Uh, I, I think I would, if I had to put money on it, say that we'll get a pretty productive year out of Uribe, but it's going to be in fairly limited work. I think last season he played like 110, 112 games or so. And the year before that, he played like 103. So I wouldn't be surprised to see kind of a timeshare at third base, especially as we get into the later summer months, assuming that Ramirez plays well. Uh, Bird, I don't know too much about. And then, like I said, I think Cowgill's just going to kind of disappear and be quickly forgotten that he ever existed. Yeah, that's how it's looking. I don't think he'll survive the first round of cuts when Brantley and Chisholm come back. Mm -mm. Yeah, I think Birdie just hits a bunch of home runs and strikes out a lot. I don't know if we can get much more out of him. Uh, What about you, Jason? Uh, I'll say Davis, I think. uh, And I wasn't particularly excited about his signing. Uh, And so in some ways, this just speaks more to me not thinking we're going to get a ton out of the other guys. Um, You know, I think... Rebe will will get things going better than this, and I think you know he'll have his moments. Uh, I don't think his signing is going to work out as any sort of disaster or anything like that. Uh, I think Davis, in you know a, a platoon role, a part time role, uh, you know can be pretty good. I think ideally he's more of a fourth outfielder uh, than a starter more often than not. But I think he can be fairly productive. I just think they've got to get him out of the leadoff role. I mean, he had three hits today. Um, but even in his best years, he's not, he just doesn't have the profile of a leadoff hitter. And I know part of this is just about Brantley not being back. And when he's in the lineup, things will shift around a little bit and probably Lindor Kipnis will be leading off. Um, but I think if you put Davis in the nine spot and, you know, when he's starting half the games, um, you know, I think he'll do pretty well. I think Cowgill's gone. I don't think there's any way he survives Brantley, uh, and Chisholm Hall coming back. And I think there's a pretty good chance Bird is down at that point, too. I mean, the other sort of outfield candidate would be Tyler Naquin, who has been put on the team, apparently just sit and watch baseball games uh, (laughs) rather than actually playing in them. Um, 
And, you know, I wrote today that in the, here I'm saying this and he started today and he had three hits. So maybe he should have been playing more. Than, um, <laughs> but if they're not going to play him, you know, more than twice a week, I'd rather he just be working on things in Columbus. But I think in terms of the 25 best guys on the roster, Naquin should stay on the roster and should be starting at least as often as Davis, if not more often. Yeah, I don't think um, Davis, Bird, or Calgo should be starting this much. Like you said, it's just a matter of, well, it's a mixture of the fact that Brantley and Chisenhall are out, so everybody's going to be playing more than they should. And it seems like we say this every year, but the Indians are facing a ton of lefties already, and they're good lefties. They're looking a lot worse. That's the same reason Tyler Naquin isn't getting in. I think at this point, I would rather just see what Naquin can do against left-handed pitchers than throw Davis out there every single day, especially at leadoff. I feel like the plan is to platoon Naquin and Davis, and and yeah, it, the playing time will look more equitable once they're facing more righties. Uh, but I hope Naquin doesn't get called up and immediately get stuck in a platoon without even being given the opportunity, you know, to hit well against lefties. And you know, I just said I think Davis can do pretty well, so I'm sort of contradicting myself. Um, but you know, yeah, I want to see what Naquin's got and at least give him some opportunities against lefties in the first, you know, the first six games of the season, he had four at bats and it, like, that was just like a silly use of, you know, a first round draft pick, a rookie who you don't really know what you have with him yet. But yeah, I, I think the most likely thing when, when Brantley and Chisnall is back is that Naquin and Davis are platooning in center field and Bird and Cowgill are in Columbus or on waivers. Yep, that sounds about probably what it'll be, I think. Um, shifting <laughs> collective ages by about 40 years here, uh, <laughs> from all the old free agents the Indians signed to two prospects, Clint Frazier and Bradley Zimmer. They are both in A this season, which means if you live anywhere near Akron, you should be going to a Rubber Ducks game. But so far this season, Frazier is 7 for 24. He has a home run, two doubles, only struck out five times. And then uh, Bradley Zimmer, 6 for 24, two home runs in the same game, and he struck out nine times. Have either of you had a chance to really either watch him or just read about him? Any impression of him so far? Uh, I have not seen any. I mean, I've seen the stat lines. You know, I check in on both of them uh, and, you know, read your minor league recap post and stuff like that. Um, I haven't actually seen anything. Oh, I, I mean, I saw a highlight clips of the, the night they hit their home runs. Um, to me, looking at their numbers, uh, you know, Zimmer got a little taste of double of A last year. I think he was up for maybe the last six weeks of the season, and his his numbers there were were not good after he had you know a great season at Lynchburg and High A, um, you know. So I think you know we look to see his his numbers jump up, uh, and you know again it's only been six games for him, so we're back to the small sample. But uh, you know his on base percentage is way up, his slugging percentage is really good, which you'd expect when a guy has hit two home runs six games in. Uh, the strikeout rate's a little high, and strikeout rate is one of those things that does kind of normalize pretty quickly. Um, so hopefully he cuts that down a little bit. Frazier, the other, is the opposite. You know, his strikeout rate has been the big red flag about him, uh, you know, going back to when he was drafted. So seeing him only strike out, you know, five times in 26 plate appearances, that's a big dip for him. And, uh, you know, if he gets his strikeout rate down to, you know, something – 20% instead of, you know, 25, 30%, uh, you know, he, he looks like a potentially elite prospect. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what about you, Matt? I think what I enjoy most about Clint Frazier is that he would look pretty much normal on a Scottish battlefield. 
uh, <laughs> definitely could see him wielding a sword, preferably a claymore, and doing some damage. With that, uh, we shouldn't yeah. rule out the possibility that he'll end up there. We don't know. True. Yeah, it might be where his career takes him. But I, I, I'm just excited to see, since it feels like they might both have a chance, potentially, depending on what happens, to end up getting called up in September. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun to see him get played appearances then, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed that while they're in Akron and potentially in Columbus, they both continue to, like Jason said, take strides to continue to work on the things and improve on the things that are kind of the question marks right now. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Hearing September, I don't know. I don't know. They've both been really good so far, so I wouldn't throw it out the window, but I would really like to see them in September. Mm-hmm. And it's just fun. I did sort of watch that one game where they hit all the home runs. They're like completely different hitters when they hit long balls because Frazier, his smooth or his swing is just so smooth and it, it didn't look like it was a home run. It just sort of drifts over the wall. Meanwhile, Frazier, he looks like he's trying to murder everything in his sight when he swings. And his bat is just a blur. And I said on Twitter that I can't wait to see Matt Underwood call his just anything, just a pop fly in the infield. He's going to think it's a home run because everything Frazier hits is so hard, it looks like it's going to be gone. <laughs> and the way that Matt Underwood likes to call warning track um, fly balls as home runs almost every single time, I can see him doing that with almost everything that Frazier hits. But yeah, I think September might be optimistic, but I wouldn't hate it <laughs> if they keep playing like this. Well, I think, I mean, the the thing about September for me, I feel like the days of top prospects getting, like, the cup of coffee in September are mostly gone just because of service time stuff. It's like, if you feel like a guy's that close to ready, you don't want to start burning off his service time clock in September unless you're contending and you legitimately think they're going to help you, you know, in a playoff push. So I would love to see them in September because... Not only would that mean they're doing well, I think that would also mean the Indians are, are contending for the division. Does the 40-man, when you get called up to the 40-man in September, that counts towards service time? Yeah, every day on the active roster counts. Well, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they're competing and you think it'll help, I don't know. If, if there'll be an upgrade over Colin Calgill, if he's still around miraculously, oh, I'm sure he'll be up. <laughs> Colin Calgill in September, how does that sound? Uh, less good. <laughs> and for what it's worth, if you follow Clint Frazier anywhere, like Twitter, Instagram, I think he's going to be one of those players who has like a big, loud personality when he gets up. And I think that'll be awesome. I love players like that. Like the Bryce Harpers. So I hope he's good just so we can see him. What he's I also like, like them being on the same roster again. Last year, they both started out at Lynchburg and then Zimmer was playing so well. You know, he earned a promotion to double A, uh, you know, and, and Frazier, you know, stayed uh, in Lynchburg. And, and I don't know if you remember, but Frazier was struggling for a while. And then somewhere around midseason, um, started to really pick things up. And his numbers by the end of the year looked really good. Uh, and in interviews, he gave Zimmer a lot of credit. He talked about watching Zimmer go through a small slump and seeing the way Zimmer, um, who was who joined the organization more recently, but because he played college ball, is, is a couple years older than Frazier. Uh, and, and Clint talked about watching Zimmer and the way he handled things and that it it was one of the things that helped him kind of change his own approach to things. Uh, so, I mean, if, if Frazier really thinks playing with Zimmer helped, then I'm, I'm happy they're together again. Well, that's really cool. I didn't know that. I'm yeah, not sure. Oh, go ahead. Hearing something like that, I mean, Zimmer only being like 23 and already affecting the players around him and helping them get over a slump or improve. That's, I mean, I know it's hard to talk about intangibles, 
or a guy that just plays the game the right way. But it matters. So that's a huge plus in my book. Yeah, I, I think like intangibles and leadership, they get like sort of a bad rap be- because they're often applied like haphazardly and with no real reason. But yeah, I mean, there's absolutely something to that. I don't know who, how anyone who's worked any job that involved coworkers would deny the fact that, you know, different people, the vibe they give off absolutely does affect other people. Um, so I don't know why, you know, some people, they want to completely overlook it. Like, I agree that, it, you know, it's hard to measure what effect it's having, but the idea that it doesn't have an effect seems, you know, completely misguided to me. Uh, and Lindor is another guy who, despite being really young, just seems to have a great effect on people around him. Um, and is actually, he's even younger than Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I think character does matter. I mean, you've got to have the talent, of course. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's exciting that the Indians not only have a lot of really talented young players, uh, but they also have a lot of players who seem like the kind of guys you want on a team that you know other players want to be teammates with. Yeah, I think it just kind of gets lost in the shuffle that uh, the output of numbers, people just say, well, that's the way this person hits. It's just what they are. They don't see all the little, every little thing that goes into that player other than when he's swinging a bat that kind of adds up into what a num- his numbers come out as. I think that kind of gets lost sometimes. Just to throw in another cliche, it's the unmeasurables mm. that are, they're there, I think. Yeah, I Maybe agree. exaggerated sometimes, but I think the problem is when people exaggerate it to fit their own narrative. Yeah, fully agreed. Okay. So, moving on back to the majors, it's um, the next series the Indians are going to be playing is against the Mets, who are 3-5. and five. They split a series with the Royals. They lost a series to the Phillies. And then they lost another series to Miami. Their, their offense is terrible. They're dead last in the NL in home runs, runs scored, and WRC+. Plus. Their WRC+, plus is actually 53, which means they're 47% worse than the average hitter combined they still have a good pitching staff obviously they're third in era first in strikeouts per nine and third in walks per nine so before we go further i'm hoping neither of you googled it yet who do you think leads their team in batting average right now oh geez (laughs) um i'm gonna say this i I desperately wanted to be cologne (laughs) as drupal cabrera Oh, wow. <laughs> He's 8 for 28 with a double. Nice. I'm sure not <laughs> numbers out. that should be leading a team, but but good for him. <laughs> exactly. I looked at that and I was surprised. I forgot he was even on the Mets, but he is their best hitter. <laughs> and then David Wright comes in pretty close. Seven for Mets, we, we, we talked about this a little bit a week or two ago. Like In, in some ways, they're sort of the National League's Indians, uh, in that they're powered by this, you know, flame-throwing starting rotation, you know, that carried them to the World Series last year, uh, and that the offense is a big question mark. I think the Indians have a better lineup than them. Uh, and Matt, if I remember correctly, we both predicted that the Mets would not win their division. And now that I'm saying that, I'm sure, much <laughs> like the Indians today, they'll come back and spite me by winning the division. What you're saying is there's no way we're going to be wrong. We predicted it, so it's going to happen. But, yeah, they uh, 
the, the lineup last year, and until they got Cespedes, Cespedes was a monster for them. And a lot of other guys hit pretty well in the second half. Uh, I don't have them in front of me, but if you track down the Mets' first half offensive numbers last season, they were terrible. Uh, so I'm not especially surprised that they're not hitting the ball right now. Yeah, I specifically remember, I don't know why this has stuck out to me, but I think Colin Cowherd, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but he was on the radio and he was saying how the Mets signing U.S. but UNSS, but this is nice and all, but it won't get him over the hump. I don't know why that, just him saying that has stuck with me the whole time the Mets were making the run to the World Series. Is <laughs> the fact that nobody thought signing one player would do it, but it did. It just improved their offense so much. Yeah, and it was, you know, whether it's coincidental timing or not, uh, a lot of other guys on the team had much better second half numbers than first half numbers. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they're, but again, you, if you look at their offense first half last season, uh, they were pretty miserable. And going back to small sample sizes, it's worth noting. I mean, their offense is terrible right now. They have two home runs, but they ran into the Royals and. The Marlins, who have a couple good pitchers, and then the Phillies, who, for some reason, all of a sudden have an amazing pitching staff. So, I'm, they're going to get better. Obviously, they're not going to be the last and everything by a mile, but hopefully, they just stay bad for another three games. That would be nice. The matchups <laughs> we're going to see. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. The matchups we're going to see um, tomorrow. It's going to be Cologne against Anderson, which I mean, we get to see Bartolo Cologne, which is awesome. And then Saturday is going to be Matt Harvey, and then finally Josh Tomlin will get his first start. And on Sunday, it'll be Mats and Kluber. And Mats, if you didn't see, ah, Stephen Mats, if you didn't see, his first start against the Marlins on Monday, he only lasted uh, less than two innings, and he gave up seven earned runs. So let's hope he doesn't recover either, and we get to just blast him one more time. <laughs> we joked earlier about Indians fans feeling like the Indians are terrible because they were one and two. Uh, Mats fans and, and or Mets media in New York uh, – are like those Indians fans, uh, you know, times five or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, didn't I, I think I heard the coach came out and said that a game like yesterday or two days ago was a must win, and it's <laughs> April. <laughs> but That's it's easy good. to I think it's easy to feel that way because you look at the Mets leaders in WAR right now, and the top five are all pitchers. <laughs> Michael Conforto uh, is the only hitter. Yeah, he's he's sixth in war right now, and it's super early to be talking about it. But still, if you've got nobody at the plate who's hitting, that's that's a little terrifying. <laughs> what they need to do is just clone you in a at the midseason and sign him again, mm-hmm. and then they'll be fine. And just do that or for next. Bartolo Colon, a lineup of nine Bartolo Colones <laughs> would be it would be something anyway. <laughs> we could all use nine Bartolo Colones in our life. So how many? Well, points? hopefully Anderson, Tomlin, and Kluber, you know, can all kind of get can get things right, uh, you know, against such a weak lineup. Uh, the the Indians could potentially have some trouble scoring runs too. Although, if you're going to face the Mets in a series, you know, Cologne, Harvey, and Mets is is probably about as well as you're going to do with the rotation, getting to to miss Thor and Degrom. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, mean, I feel like that things are lining up pretty well for the Indians this series. It being baseball, how things line up often means next to nothing. It's three games, and who knows what will happen. Um, but I feel like it's pretty favorable conditions and timing uh, for the Tribe. Do you want to put a number on how many you think they'll win? Um, six three? of the three games, maybe? <laughs> Sounds good, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Is that four against Steven Matz in the Kluber matchup? 
three against him, uh, three against Harvey, and zero against Bartolo Colon. They're not going to beat him. Nobody ah. beats Bartolo. What about you, Matt? I think they could take it, it's a three Be Cologne zero. away to the the Expos. That not only would Cologne. I mean, I would have believed he was going to outlive the Expos because you could see the writing on the wall. But who would have thought that 14 years later, Cologne would still be going? <laughs> and one of the most exciting players ever. Yes, he's like beloved. <laughs> the head catch he made last week and people were like, you know, putting it next to the, the Willie Mays catch. <laughs> yeah, he's the in the field <laughs> Willie Mays, yeah. So what, a, what about you? It's a three-game series, right? Right. I'm, I'll be optimistic and say they get the sweep. But I think one of the games, uh, everybody's just going to get shelled and we're going to see like a 15 to 12 game or something. Because you look at the Mets roster and there is Michael Conforto is going to be a great player. He's still young and he had a really a pretty good World Series. It was, again, one of those guys in the second half that did a lot to help him out. And I think, you know, between Cespedes and old man David Wright and the catcher, I will never pronounce his name right, but I think it's Darno. He's kind of been a guy who for the last few seasons is supposed to be a mower with power there's always a mower with power somewhere <laughs> yeah i would agree with a sweep i think or close to one maybe kluber just because it always happens he won't get any run support or i wouldn't um i wouldn't disagree with saying the both teams are going to get shelled in one game i think that end up being maybe anderson's start that it happens or maybe Tomlin's just because it's his first in so long but mm-hmm. I could see that happening and then Kluber just not going to get the run support because it's Kluber and it's April <laughs> so anything else on the match you guys wanted to talk about no I don't have anything else what about you Matt no okay so we'll just move on to the last part of today which is our social me- social media questions the first is Jim Gosser Jim Grosser on Facebook asks will they give Tyler Nakon a shot at playing when a lefty is on the hill so this isn't do we want to or do we think they or do we want to or should they? It's will they? What do you think, Jason? Uh, in like a one game counts as an opportunity, yes. I mean, I think we'll see Naquin bat against lefties. Uh, I don't really think he's going to be given the opportunity to be an actual everyday starter uh, unless Davis really struggles or. Uh, you know, something like Chisenhall comes back uh, and then, you know, ends up being injured again or he really struggles or something like that. Uh, if, if Brantley and Chisenhall are playing every day, I don't think we're going to see Naquin, you know, start against a lefty more than, you know, once every three or four weeks. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. What about you, Matt? I, well, it might take Davis getting hurt for him to really have a legitimate chance to show what he can do this season, which to go back to your earlier points, kind of frustrating is the spring that he had and coming up through the system, always being above average. You got to let him, you got to let him loose at some point. You got to see what you have. So I don't necessarily want Davis to get hurt and for Naquin to have a chance because of that, but that might kind of be the only way he gets a sort of legitimate shot in center. To be to become that every day, there's no question who's starting in center field kind of guy. Yep, I think that's pretty much the. I feel like this, the, these first six games would have been a great opportunity to give him a game because they were facing so many lefties. Like right. it's one thing if he's not playing against lefties when the Indians are only facing a lefty, you know, like twice out of every five games. But when it's lefty after lefty after lefty, like 
that to me, it seems like, yeah, throw him one of those games and see what happens. And no matter what happens, you don't really know what he's going to do against lefties because you let him play against one one time. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, like Matt said, at some point you got to let him loose and find out what you've got. And I know we're sort of being impatient when seven games into the season complaining about something like that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I just hope Francona doesn't feel like, oh, he's a rookie. We're just going to platoon him and that's that. That, to me, would be pretty disappointing. Yeah, it just feels like a rookie or somebody his age, you don't put him on the opening day roster unless you're planning on starting him more than once every six or seven games. Yeah, especially because the first week of the season is when you have the best idea of who the opposing pitchers are going to be. Like, if you were only going to really play him in one game, and I know that, you know, the, the rain, I guess might have, you know, thrown in, replaced the righty with a lefty somewhere in there. But it just feels like you could have waited if you weren't going to play him this much right out of the gate. So who would you have rather had in that case? Like Joey Butler? No, there's no one to rather have rather <laughs> well, I mean, Naquin it... have gotten to play more. <laughs> well, yeah, if they, if they weren't going to play Naquin, if he was going to sit and they knew it because of what the pitchers were going to be, would you rather have them kept Naquin up or start with somebody else and then bring Naquin after this whole lefty Shenanigan is over. I don't know. I mean, there's no, there's legitimately no one I wish had been up instead of him. Right. I just, if he wasn't going to play, I guess get him a couple extra games in Columbus. And not that I'm really worried about Naquin's service time, but at this point, if they waited only one more week, you know, they'd have the extra year of team control over him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's no one in particular I wish had been up. It just... I don't feel like someone in his position, it makes sense to only play once in the first six games. But again, a week from now, if he's played, you know, four of the six most recent games, I'm probably not even going to remember that he hardly played the first week. So, so uh, next question from 330 and 513 on Twitter. He asks, will your and or bird be on the team by mid season? And uh, for me, I think your Yes. I can't see unless he gets traded. I don't see any way he won't be. He would have to be absolutely terrible, I think, to not be on the team. And Bird, probably not. Uh, what about you, Matt? What does Marlon Bird's contract with us look like? Wasn't he... He was a minor league deal. Yeah, so I think the most that we would possibly owe him is the minimum if we let him go. I so, I, so I really can't imagine. I mean, like we were saying earlier, he'll be... He'll be gone. Yeah. <laughs> And then I think either Giovanni or Shella or someone else would have to really surge in AAA and your rebate would have to be horrible. Or I guess even Jose Ramirez would have to be great at third base um, for your rebate not to be there. And I mean, I think both of those actually need to happen for your rebate to be gone. Like Urshela would have to suddenly become the kid who only hits homers and Ramirez would have to keep playing his way into the everyday roster while your eBay just kind of becomes sad and old very quickly because it's the only way I think that his presence isn't a, a good thing a, like a net positive even if it's a small one yeah I agree I mean your eBay I think has a lot farther to go to play his way out of a job um, you know he, he has a, a better track record uh, you know he's at a position without as many you know other attractive options. I mean, Marlon Bird is going to look like, at best, the fifth best outfield option four days from now. So, again, I, if I had to bet if he's on the you know the roster a week from now, 
I would say he's not. So I certainly don't see him still being on the roster by midseason. Yeah, that's pretty much. Well, I think it's kind of interesting when Brantley and Chisinau come back. The outfield is almost maybe going to be deep, almost. <laughs> I keep saying almost, but it's going to be Chisenhall, Brantley, and then maybe a decent platoon in center, and then that'll be all the outfielders, I think, right? Unless Bird does stick around somehow. To me, the but, thing with the outfield is just waiting to find out what we actually have in Lonnie Chisenhall. I'm not worried about Brantley. Um, you know, it's his non-throwing shoulder, and I know that can affect his swing, too. Um, but I'm just not really worried about him. Um, and I have... Not huge expectations for a Naquin Davis platoon, but I think they, as a platoon, can be at least you know comfortably average. Uh, it's just Chisenhall, if the fielding numbers from last year aren't sustained this year and his hitting is like it was for most of last year, he should not be a team starting right fielder. Uh, and, you know, Matt, you and I have talked about him already, uh, you know, in uh, other weeks of doing this. Um, but I need to see Chisenhall for like a month before I really have any sense of what I think the Indians have in right field. Okay. So the next two are fun. Um, fake M Weisgarber on Twitter asks, our new guys stink. Why not bring up Urshela? Agu- Why not bring Urshela and Aguilar up? Jason, you want to take that one? <laughs> Aguilar. Uh, I-, I need to hear the argument for bringing <laughs> Aguilar up before. <laughs> bothering to make the argument against him. Uh, I mean, I, Aguilar is one of those, I don't know, he has like an, an odd pocket of tribe fans who will just like go to their grave believing that the Indians have, have overlooked an incredible talent that uh, I just don't see it. Uh, you know, he had like one year of really good numbers in AAA. Uh, and otherwise, you look at his minor league numbers and for a first baseman, they were never impressive. Uh, so I don't think there's any reason to wonder why he's not going to get called up. And Urshel, I just think he, unfortunately, his bat, and whether it'll get there or not, I don't know, but his bat right now, even as a plus defender, he's not an ideal option for third base. And so, you know, Uribe has enough of a track record that, uh, you know, you've, you've got to see how he does for, you know, weeks and weeks before you think about bringing Urshela up, given the way Urshela hits. Yeah, and I've said it before, I haven't made the comparison between Urshela and Aguilar, but I don't think there's much more value in Urshela than Aguilar. They're kind of in the same boat, I think, that there's, especially now with Urshela, there's a group of fans that'll defend him to the death, but if you look at his minor league numbers, he just hasn't been that great of a hitter, and I don't know if he will be in the majors, and no matter how good his defense is, I don't know how much it's going to make up for really subpar offense that I think he'll always have, pretty much. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I don't see much out of him. And then Aguilar, like you said, he's Aguilar. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised he's still on the 40-man roster. Is he? I think so. Yeah, I think he is, yeah, too. Yeah. But, again, yeah, like if he still is. I woke up tomorrow and somehow he had vanished from the 40-man roster, I wouldn't be losing any sleep over it. Yep. What about you, Matt? The whole like, – there are – it does seem like a lot of people who think Aguilar is just going to figure it out one day. Uh, it – it's weird because it's not like he had a couple of amazing games like Jerry Sands did or something. Like I don't know that there's ever been a time that he's been called up and had a particularly impressive game or a string of games. And then, yeah, Urshela, his best case scenario, I think, becomes sort of the Mike Avilas kind of role where he's pretty good at a few different infield positions and the bat's good enough 
that he can hang around on a roster, but it, he's not going to end up being Brooks Robinson or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Jerry Sands, he he started playing for the White Sox now, and following on Twitter, they got to finally learn the heartbreak that we knew with Jerry Sands, which is strikeouts, pop flies, and nothing else. <laughs> he mm-hmm. was their DH a couple nights ago, and every time he was up to bat, I just saw a bunch of groans on Twitter from White Sox writers. White and Sox I- writers. I say this as a huge Wallace and Gromit fan, but doesn't it look like he fell out of one of those cartoons? He looks like a <laughs> Wallace and Gromit character. He does. He does. I can see it. <laughs> I honestly can't picture Jerry Sands right now, but I can picture <laughs> Wallace and Gromit and you know <laughs> Chicken Run and stuff like that. So now I'm just picturing the farmer from Chicken Run. Uh, <laughs> and now I kind of want Jerry Sands back. <laughs> just for <laughs> <laughs> but I think Jerry Sands for some reason, my first thought goes to oh, who was that guy in Breaking Bad? Todd, I think. It goes to him first. I imagine him looking like Todd, and then I remember Jerry Sands, what he looks like. I don't know why, but I go to Todd first. So anyway, the next question. This one's all for Jason. Um, uh, Fake M. Weisgarber again asks, also, how long will we have to suffer through Carlos Santana? Certainly there are better options in the system. No, there are How aren't. long, Jason? Uh, no, I don't know. You know, I mean, Carlos started off really well, and now he's, you know, had three or four pretty uh, unhelpful games in a row. So his his batting line has, has quickly dropped. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how long he would have to not be good for me to confess or acknowledge or admit to myself even but again, even last year, the worst year of his career, you know, he was a slightly above average hitter. And for it, and I will completely grant that for a designated hitter, being slightly above league average does not get it done. Uh, but man, people just there is nothing so many Indians fans want to do so badly as dump on Carlos Santana. Uh, so, but there's, I don't know who you, th- I mean, unless you think you're, they should just bring up Clint Frazier now and he's going to, you know, go from single A to, to major league baseball, you know, Obviously. in a span of 30 games and be successful. I don't know who you think they're going to call up. That's going to do better than a guy, you know, with, uh, you know, a, a weighted runs created plus of like 125 for his career. Like Carlos Santana is I understand why he's frustrating to people. He's not going to hit 30 home runs. His batting average is no good. And people just can't wrap their head around walks being valuable. Uh, but he's not going anywhere anytime soon, I don't think. Or at least I hope. You know who they should call up? Jesus Aguilar. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so, Matt, what do you think? How long... Um... We'll change it a little bit. How long would Santana just have to be absolutely terrible for the Indians to... They wouldn't just release him, but I mean, try to find some way to trade him or something to replace him. How long would he have to be... How long would he have to be what the Indians fans think he is before (laughs) he gets replaced? I would say from now until around the All-Star break. And then I think that's an opportunity, or it would be an opportunity for the Indians if they're near contending to do the trade a pitcher thing for a bat to replace him. But I, he's been with the team for so long. And I think that the front office understands numbers well enough that 125 compared to 100 is well above average. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I will say, and again, like trying to not just be completely in the bag for Carlos Santana, uh, 
you know, strikeout rate and walk rate are some of the first things to sort of stick in terms of like the small sample size. Uh, and Carlos has, I think, 29 plate appearances this season. Uh, and his walk rate so far uh, is less than half of his career rate. Um, so I, I think the thing that could cause him to not just be someone fans think isn't good, but actually isn't good, uh, is if his walk rate actually slips. I mean, that's what he's awesome at. Mm-hmm. He's got pretty good power, not fantastic power, but pretty good power. Uh, but he's never going to hit for a high average. Uh, and when he's leading the league or, you know, top five in walk rate, he's still going to be a good offensive player. Um, so I think if, if he changed his approach and it didn't generate, you know, better contact or, you know, somehow boost his batting average higher than I think he's capable of, um, but it did cut into his walk, walk rate, um, that would be the thing that would play him out of the lineup. So, you know, again, it's only seven games. Uh, you know, but if two weeks from now his walk rate is still below 10%, that I think would be when you could start to worry, um, you know, that, that something has changed and he's actually declined or changed as a player uh, and is someone you need to worry about and consider replacing. Yeah, it's like if Dennis Rodman just forgot how to rebound. Right. <laughs> it's just a body at that point. Yeah, if Carlos Santana stops walking, I'm, I would jump off the Carlos Santana boat. I'm like on it with you now. We're both paddling along, but I would take my paddle and jump off and throw it and just leave you paddling alone. <laughs> as long as he's walking, I'm happy and I will defend him. So now we as check in his people. walk rate and if his walk rate is, is, is back up to what we're used to, uh, then I'll accept the fact that people are going to, you know, moan and scream about him, uh, but I'll be fine with him. So Matt, as our guest host, I'm going to give you the most important question of the podcast. Are you ready? I am. Okay, so New Cheddar Wolf on Twitter asks, Colin Cowgill, question mark. First of all, New <laughs> Cheddar Wolf. That's, that's a pretty solid Twitter name. <laughs> Got to give him props for that. Uh, as for, and I, I think that it's Colin Cowgill? <laughs> that would be it, yes. I, mm. Going off what you just mentioned, his Twitter handle, one of my like long-time desires has been that Anyone who has a vanity license plate, uh, you know, meaning a license plate that's just not a random collection of, you know, numbers and letters, should also have to have a bumper sticker that is big enough that if you were stopped at the, behind the car to red light, you can read the bumper sticker, and it has to explain what the vanity plate means. I mean, some of them are self-explanatory, but some of them are not, and I feel like you should have to explain what's going on with your vanity plate and twitter handles are the same way like mine's just my name which is incredibly boring uh but yeah i want to know the story behind everyone's twitter handle <laughs> i'm gonna change mine to matt cheddar wolf i'm gonna go with that <laughs> yeah and i think oh who was it somebody i think last week just said one uribe discuss and then jason you said one of the answers was getting in a fist fight so with colin calgary i'm gonna say Getting a fist fight with Colin Cowgill, I would lose. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he can swing a bat, but I think it hit me really hard. So, yes, to answer I the Colin Cowgill, he question. would definitely be up if we got in a fight. Matt, would you be able to fight Colin Colin Cowgill? I would be able to fight him, but I think it would last six to seven seconds, and then I would not remember it. <laughs> Probably okay. 
suspect the number of Major League Baseball players I could beat in a fight could I could count on one hand that was already rolled up into a fist. I don't I don't think there's a single Major League player I could beat. Absolutely up. not. Even if we got bats, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on me. I think if you approached Bartolo Colon the way uh oh I can't remember what's the name Wesley uh in in the Princess Bride, the way he fights Andre the Giant's character. If you did that to Bartolo Colon and whisper dream of large women or whatever, <laughs> then you could do it. You could do it. So Other if anybody that, ever uh, asks us about Bartolo Colon, we'll have our answer there. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's all I had. Um, so the what only is... other thing I would mention this week uh, is that Michael Brantley has played his first rehab game and might be playing in his second as we speak. Uh, but la- last night uh, when he played in his first rehab game, uh, or was it two nights ago? I can't even remember what day of the week <laughs> it is. Nights. In Brantley's first rehab game, uh, he did pick up a double. I think I'm hoping we're not. I don't think we're going to see him against the Mets, but I'm hoping that uh, next Tuesday, when the, the next series begins, we're going to have Michael Brantley back in the lineup. That would be nice. I saw. Yeah, he is playing today. I think he got a hit. I saw right before I started uh, getting set up for the podcast. He did have a hit today. And Chisholm Hall, he's in Akron, I guess, but he isn't playing today. But he should be. He could have been back for Tampa Bay, so I think he'll be back any day now. Um, anything else coming up for either of you guys in the next week for the next podcast? Nothing Nothing I can think of. I don't have tickets to a baseball game that's going to get rained out this weekend. Oh, that did happen, didn't it? Yeah. Did you go to anything? No, I had tickets for Sunday's game, which when I bought the tickets was supposed to be the day with the best weather. (laughs) Uh, And then drove all the way to Comiskey only to be told that this game had been canceled. And then only to sit through a day when it didn't really rain much in Chicago. They could have played it. Because I, I was in the same boat, basically, where I when I got it, Kluber was supposed to start. So that's, you know, $6 tickets to go see Kluber pitch. Yep, I'm there. <laughs> and then um, it, gets, it got switched to Tomlin because of the postponement. And then I'm sitting on the red line platform about to get on the train. And I get the text saying it's postponed. And I just very sadly get off the train before the doors close and <laughs> think about my life. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Um... Not anywhere near any stadium, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I have an independent league team about 20 minutes away. Those are the only games I get to go to, and they don't start playing until June. But you can battle beat every game I can find. Yeah, it's like a little college. Uh, college players go up there, just a little independent league. It's kind of neat. It's like little, really, really small baseball. It's always fun. So that's pretty much our show. Uh, thank you, Matt, for joining us. That was a lot of fun. No, I had a good time too. Thanks for having yeah. me on. Yeah, and if anybody isn't already. Um, most of the Matt stuff goes up early on in the week, and <laughs> thanks to the rainouts and other stuff, you've only done one game recap this week, but you'll be the guy Sunday and Mondays at the very least. Yes. And then uh, follow him on Twitter, Matt Schlichting, which, I mean, nobody's going to be able to spell that, so I'll put it in the post. <laughs> if I they do spell it, time, though. I can barely spell it. You what? If, if they do spell it, they earned their way there. There you go. And then you can follow him and see all your tweets. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you everybody for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Mm